grows us. And sometimes the culture that we're in has us so far away from God that our growth doesn't look like much to other people. So when we look at uh, Jacob and you know, we say, how could you have so many wives? David, how could you have so many wives? We have to remember, uh, people are going to look at our lives and say, how could you have done that? How could you have even thought that? And call yourself a Christian. So he takes us where we are and he grows us. So, yes. <clears throat> this sounds like a mic comment. <laughs> In Africa, polygamy is very common. When we talk to several people about how many wives they had or how many wives their father had, and, and their fathers always had multiple wives, nearly all mm. Mm-hmm. And one young man has one wife, and he said that he, he has lots of cousins because there were two wives. <laughs> There's lots of brothers and yeah. sisters and cousins, but he said none of them had polygamous uh, marriages. Really? Mm-hmm. Hmm, that's, that's good. Yeah, the, the influence will grow to where the culture is affected, affected eventually. So these are good, good thoughts. Um, We're going to discuss four women this morning, and they're all in Proverbs. And it's not the woman that you'd rather be in the corner of the attic uh, rather than being with her because she's like a dripping faucet or something. Uh, You may not have ever thought about there being four women in Proverbs. Probably the first one you go to is the woman of great value, you know, who could find. And and that is one of them. But the first two we're going to take a look at are at the beginning of Proverbs, and the second two are at the end of Proverbs. So these women kind of bookend Proverbs, the book of Proverbs. So open your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 1, and somebody read, uh, you'll need the mic. I think there's a mic over here and a mic over here, so uh, if somebody with the mic can read Verses 20 through 33, we'll get to know the first woman. The first woman is wisdom. Proverbs 1, verses 20 through 33. Who has that? Raise your hand. Okay, do you have a mic? Disaster strikes you. 
I will mock when calamity overtakes you. When calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster sweeps over you like a whirlwind, when distress and trouble overwhelm you, then they will call to me, but I will not answer. They will look for me, but will not find me. Since they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord, since they would not accept my advice and spurned my rebuke, they will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes. For the waywardness of the simple will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear or harm. Fear of harm. It's good. Has anybody told you you have a gift of reading aloud? You really do. I, I appreciate the way you did that. Um, you, you weren't in a hurry to get through the Word of God, and I, I appreciate that. So, <clears throat> who is speaking here, first of all? Wisdom. Whose wisdom? God's wisdom, yes. God's wisdom, He is using the image of a woman to represent his wisdom. Now, he'll use a woman to represent folly here in a minute. <clears throat> Sorry. <clears throat> no, I didn't do any good. He'll use a woman to represent folly as well. Uh, so, if anybody ever says, uh, you know, God's a man because he only uses male uh, attributes to represent himself, Yes, he, he's called Father. I have no problem with calling him Father. I, I use him and he and all that. Uh, but he's not a man like we are. Okay, he's, he is, when he came to earth, he came in the form of a man. Uh, but he is not afraid to use aspects of females as well as males to represent himself. Can a woman, can a mother forget the baby at her breast? Neither will I forget you. Okay, that's, that's another thing God likes to do. Um, I, I'm not saying he's an it, okay? Because he's a person, it's important that we call him he. But uh, just wanted you to recognize this is not some woman out there. This is God's wisdom that we're talking about. And he's using the, the female to represent that. Look in verses 26, 27, 28. What are some of the consequences of ignoring wisdom when she calls. Do what? Disaster. Disaster. Okay. You see any else, anything else there? When calamity overthrows you, what's wisdom going to do? Laugh at him. And you think, how could God laugh at anybody when they're in trouble? He's not laughing, you understand. It's the things that he taught that will stand as a witness against the person. Okay, They will be the one condemning the person when they're suffering. Basically, God lets you make your bed and lie in it. Well, what are some of the rewards of heeding 
the call of wisdom. Look out in, look in uh, verse 23, for instance. He'll share his heart with you, his thoughts. He'll, he'll make known to you his teachings. Do you remember what Paul wrote in Romans 12 about how to know the will of God? Offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is, there's a fly in here and he's decided in this whole room to come buzz around my head. <laughs> uh, so the, uh, where was I? Oh, Romans 12, okay. Uh, then you will be able to know God's will when you are transformed, when God transforms your mind by the renewing of your mind, okay? He'll put his thoughts into you. That's one of the benefits of, of wisdom, listening to her. Look in verse 33. There's another benefit there, a very practical benefit. Live in safety, be at ease without fear of harm. Uh, does that mean nothing bad ever happens to those who follow the wisdom of God? No, and we know that because we have all our lives tried to follow the wisdom of God and we've had bad things happen to us. But we don't have to lose sleep over these things. Jesus said, I've brought you peace. It's not like the world's peace. I'm bringing you peace that lets you get to sleep at night. I'm bringing you the kind of peace that even in the storm, you can be taking a nap in the bottom of the boat. That's the kind of peace I'm bringing you. And I think he's talking about very literal times of your life when other people around you are, are feeling threatened by the news or whatever, and you don't have to feel that way. You, the reason I'm saying it that way is because we're tempted to feel exactly that way. We are all of us tempted to worry. We're tempted to lose sleep, but we don't have to. We have an avenue of release there. All right, so chapter one is introducing us to the woman, metaphorically, the woman who represents the wisdom of God. Chapters two and three and four are more benefits, really, about listening to her. Turn over to Proverbs chapter 8. And there are more benefits listed in this chapter. I'm not going to go out through the whole... I'm not going to have somebody read the whole chapter. <clears throat> we just don't have time for that in our class. But just kind of scan through there and see if you can see some benefits of heeding the call of this woman, wisdom. Understanding. Understanding. That was God. The voice came right in. <laughs> no, Alan. Thank you. Understanding. What's another? Do what? Good judgment. Good. We'll be able to discern things. Others? You know, for us Christians, we get to find little nuggets of wisdom and, and buried treasure in the Old Testament. And this chapter actually is one 
where we get to find this. It's a really cool treasure. Um, raise your hand if you can read verse 2. Just somebody. Okay, Pam. Raise your hand if you can read verse 7. I need somebody else to read verse 7 because this has got to go boom, boom, boom. Okay, thank you. And verse 35. Who can get verse 35? Okay. All right, so we're going to hear verse 2, verse 7, and verse 35 in rapid succession. Thank you, Jerry. All right, go ahead, Pam. Okay, at the highest point along the way where the paths meet, she takes her stand. Okay, who's got verse 7? Okay, and who has... For whoever finds me finds life and receives favor from the Lord. Here's, here's the cool thing. Three benefits of wisdom. Verse 2, you'll find the way. Verse 7, you'll find the truth. In verse 35, you'll find the life. And it's all right there in that one chapter. And Jesus says in verse 14, John 14, 6, I am the way the truth, and the life. All right, now turn over to Proverbs chapter 9. <clears throat> and again, uh, we're not going to read the whole thing, but somebody read the first 12 verses, we'll say. Okay. Wisdom has built her house seven pillars. She has prepared her meat and mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her maids and she called from the highest points of the city. Let all who are simple come in here, she said to those who lack judgment. Come, eat my food and drink the wine I have mixed. Read your simple ways and you will live. Walk in the way of understanding. Whoever corrects a mocker invites insult. Whoever rebukes a wicked man incurs abuse. Do not rebuke a mocker or he will hate you. Rebuke a wise man and he will love you. Instruct a wise man and he will be wiser still. Teach a righteous man and he will add to his learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For through me your days will be many, and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, your wisdom will reward you. If you are a mocker, you alone will suffer. Thank you. So what is the beginning of wisdom? Proverbs 9, we just read 1 through 12, okay? And the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord, and that's a class unto itself, but basically uh, we're, we're all driven by fear of something, even though we would not like to admit that. We, in fact, are driven by fear of something. Some of us drive the speed limit because we're afraid of what happens if we drive over the speed limit. If we weren't afraid, we'd drive over the speed limit. Some of us are content to drive the speed limit. 
<clears throat> so uh, we're driven by fear, okay? God doesn't say, don't be driven by fear. He says, fear me. Okay, I, again, I'm getting too far into that. Uh, that. That is a class study all by itself. But to fear the Lord means I'm going to obey him. So the path that wisdom offers begins with that decision. I'm going to obey the Lord. I'm going to fear the Lord. I'm not going to fear what man has said he's going to do to me. So at the beginning, uh, they, Solomon uses a different image besides just a woman. She's preparing something. What is the woman preparing? The verse, six verses or so. A meal. She's preparing a meal. Okay? Wisdom has this open invitation. And she's not hiding her truth. She's shouting it from the gates of the city. Anybody who wants to come. By the way, if anybody's wondering, uh, I haven't picked up another bad habit. <laughs> this is them trying to draw blood from me and just didn't uh, quite find the vein for a while. Um, phlebotomist, yeah, 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 yeah. A good lobotomist is probably great, but I don't think a... Anyway, um, <clears throat> so wisdom prepares a meal and invites people in to enjoy her meal. That meal will feed us for a lifetime. Okay, it's, if you want to look at it this way, she's constantly replenishing the food on the table, and you can constantly come back for more. There will be no end to how much she feeds you. Folly, as we're going to see here in a minute, also is preparing a meal. And it tastes wonderful for about that long. <laughs> and then there's a price you have to pay. Uh, the, the first time Sally and I had pizza with uh, pineapple on it. Uh, it, it actually tasted pretty good. I was surprised by how good it tasted. But that particular pizza uh, had some kind of food poisoning in it or something, and Sally and I paid the price. We have always associated that with uh, pineapple pizza. We've never had pineapple pizza since then. But uh, there is a price that you're going to have to pay for that good-tasting food. The reason I'm saying that is because, if we're honest, temptation is temptation because it's something we want. It's something that appeals to us. So it is going to taste good for about that long. So we're going to take a look at uh, the banquet that Folly prepares for us. It's going to feed us for a short time, but the banquet that wisdom prepares for us feeds us for a lifetime. So let's look at Folly, the woman in Proverbs known as Folly. Start in verse, oh, chapter 5. Let's go back to chapter 5. Now, folly, Solomon goes ahead and uses specific traits of folly and calls her by those names. And one of her most common uh, names that is used in Proverbs is lust or adultery. Uh, my son, pay attention to my wisdom. Turn your ear to my words. Look down verse 3. 
the lips of the adulterous woman drip honey. Honey's good. Remember I was talking about how it, it has to be appealing or else it's not a temptation. Her speech is smoother than oil, but in the end, she's as bitter as gall, sharp as a double-edged sword, which is not something most of us tend to swallow on a regular basis, a double-edged sword. If we know that folly's path is going to lead to death ultimately, why do we keep going back to her table? (laughs) What is it about her table that draws us in like flies? Speaking of flies, did somebody else get the fly? (laughs) He left me, so thank you. We like honey. That's that's the short answer. We we just we like the way temptation makes us feel at first. There was a, an old west poet named Edwin Hubble Chapin. Never heard of him before. I did research for this, but uh, he put it this way: "The trouble with resisting temptation is that you may not get another chance." If we're honest, (laughs) that's why we don't want to resist sometimes, because we want to take advantage of this opportunity. Well, the fact of the matter is no fish gets caught on the hook because the hook looked good. They get caught on the hook because the bait looked good. And the old bait and switch is exactly the method that Satan uses. It's the method that folly uses. Um, In in chapter 6 of Proverbs, there, we're not going to read all of them, but there are lots of other foolish ways that folly presents herself. What are some ways that you see in, verse, in chapter 6 that are ways that folly presents herself? Sometimes if you act rashly, that's verse 1 and 2, where it's talking about putting up security for your neighbor, and you shouldn't have done it, and now you're stuck. Uh, He says, get out of that as soon as you can. This is folly. This is the woman coming to you and saying, this is a good idea. You ought to do it. Or this is a good investment. Go for it. Okay? That's one way folly presents herself. Do you see another way in here? Verse 9, for instance. Yeah. Seek comfort. Look for the comfortable way. Follow the path of least resistance. Do you know that's, how, that's what makes rivers crooked? <laughs> Is following the path of least resistance? Well, it makes men crooked too. So when, when you're looking for the easy road in life, uh, this is literally looking for a, a way that doesn't have a whole lot of obstacles in it that you can take and, and not have to worry over much about discipline, or figuratively, if, if you're looking for a way that, like, I want to know the answer to a question I have about God I don't want to go study the Bible. I don't want to look it up. I don't want to have to research it myself. 
let me just find somebody who looks like they know what's going on and I'll ask them, okay? To me, that is spiritual laziness. There's nothing wrong with helping each other, okay? But, for instance, what animal does Solomon use here to exemplify the opposite of the sluggard? The ant, okay? The, if any animal could be said to help each other, it's the ant or the bee. I mean, the, they've got the hive mentality, okay, the Borg. And so they are able to work with each other and think as one. Well, we can help each other, but that's not really what he's talking about here. He's talking about these guys. There was an ant in my office the other day, and I thought I killed it, but I just kind of maimed it a little bit, and he was getting back to work. He was broken legs and everything. His head was falling off, but he was going to finish his job. All right. So Solomon says, take a look at that and just learn something from that. This is diligence. This is continuing in the force of the opposing uh, side. <laughs> that fell apart. This is when you are able to keep on going because you have stamina, you have fortitude. These are words that you don't hear much anymore. You know the only way to build stamina? To practice stamina. That's the only way you're going to build it. You've got to be steadfast. You've got to hold on. And spiritual laziness is one of the most deadly, I'm convinced, it's epidemic in Christianity today. People who are looking for the easy way to heaven, looking for the easy way to figure out life, they just don't want to invest like some of those zealots do. They're not going to be like that. They don't want to look like that. So they're not going to go too deep into Bible study, prayer, things like that. They'll just ask somebody who is going deep into that. Well, that's spiritual laziness. We've got to be willing to be like the ant, and even when it feels like our head's falling off, we've got to get back to work sometimes. All right, uh, down in verse 20, it starts again with the foolish way of adultery. Um, it, there's a, a, man, a sobering description of looking down and seeing a man being lured by the woman to this adulterous house. And, and just the basic description of the man heeding the call of folly. In verse 13 of, verse, of chapter 9, turn over to chapter 9, verse 13. We get a description of her call. Somebody read verses 13 through 18 and have the microphone, if you will. There's one, there's a mic here and a mic here. So raise your hand if you would like to read. Okay, Nancy. Thank you. <clears throat> the woman folly is loud. She is undisciplined and without knowledge. She sits at the door of her house on the seat of the highest point of the city, calling out to those who pass by, who go straight on their way. Let us all who are simple come in here, she says. Stolen water is sweet. Food eaten in secret is food eaten in secret is delicious. But little do they know that the dead are there, that their gifts are in the depths of the grave. 
Now, you remember that banquet I was telling you about that, that wisdom prepares? Folly also prepares a meal. Everything in her meal is stolen. Even the water is stolen. It's, it's not anything she worked for. She's lazy and adulterous, and she steals the things that are the nice things. Could you get the microphone down to Pam? Yeah, I, I want to hear your question, though. You've got a real soft voice. So, Do something. There it is. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, what verses? Sorry, 13 through 18. Yeah. She likes to go and study it for herself. Seems like there's somebody Paul was writing about like that that goes and studies these things for themselves. I applaud that, Pam. All right, so every promise that folly provides is steeped in deception. She tells you about the benefits that you're going to experience right away. She doesn't tell you about what's hiding behind those benefits, the price you're going to pay ultimately. Solomon here describes the people at the banquet as dead. The person going into her house doesn't even realize that she's got a bunch of dead people sitting around her table eating that meal, and it's that meal that killed them. And yet he's going in thinking, this is going to be delicious. I can't wait. You know, it, it's so easy to preach against this stuff on Sunday morning in the, the safety of this sanctuary. That's why we call it a sanctuary. And make it sound like it's the most awful thing, and we would never be caught at that table And yet, how often do we realize, whoa, God, I'm at the wrong table here. How did I get here? Okay, so don't let me present this in such a way that makes you think, oh my goodness, that David, he's never listened to the call of folly. He he wouldn't even, no, I know her well. (laughs) I've been to her table many times. I've eaten her deadly food. I've tasted her poison. We all have, and that's why we need the cross, because we are all in this together. We're trying to help each other get back to the right table, which is just across the street where the smoke is rising, by the way, the sausage festival, right? Now, to get back to the right table and to eat the food of wisdom. So this is kind of an introduction that, that presents these two women at the beginning of Proverbs. And then as we go through Proverbs, we get into the real meat of what Proverbs is all about. And that is each verse pretty much uh, presents the call of both women, separated by a conjunction. Okay? Look down in chapter 12, verse 7. Chapter 12, verse 7 The wicked are overthrown and are no more, but, there's the conjunction, but the house of the righteous stands firm. So you have the call of both women here, and it's like it's presenting the calls to you, and you get to choose, okay? Verse 8, chapter 12, verse 8, here's another one, different conjunction, but it's the same idea. A person is praised according to their prudence, And one with a warped mind 
is despised. What's the conjunction there in that verse? And, yeah. So, remember, conjunction, junction, what's your function? Oh, yeah, that's, uh, some of you were parents even then and have no idea what I just <laughs> delved into. That was from my childhood, anyway. So, um, but, which is also a conjunction. The person is praised according to their prudence and, separating the two calls here, one with a warped mind is despised. So, throughout the bulk of Proverbs, we're going to have this back and forth. Two calls, two women, you've already met them both, you know what they're all about, you decide in each of these cases which one you're going to listen to. Now, at the end of Proverbs, by the way, there are exceptions. There are some verses that just present one side of the coin. Okay. At the end, <clears throat> we are going to talk about the wife of noble character. That's one of the women, four women we're going to talk about. But before we talk about her, there's a young hero. Am I doing something that makes me cut out from time to time? I'll, take, I'll keep my hand out of my pocket. How about that? See if that helps. Um, can you find the unnamed woman, but this is the only woman of the four who's an actual woman in history in the beginning of Proverbs 31? Can you find the woman I'm talking about here? Proverbs 31 I'll give you a clue. It's somebody's mother. King Lemuel. King, King Lemuel. Who was King Lemuel? Some people think it was Solomon. I don't. I, I think it was an actual king. And I think his unnamed mother was the king's actual mother. So uh, this unnamed woman has some wisdom to share. Real quick. And I'm sorry to read quickly, but we're running out of time. The sayings of King Lemuel, an inspired utterance his mother taught him. Listen, my son, listen, son of my womb. Listen, my son, the answer to my prayers. Do not spend your strength on women, your vigor on those who ruin kings. It is not for kings, Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine nor for rulers to crave beer, lest they drink and forget what has been decreed and deprive all the oppressed of their rights. Let beer be for those who are perishing, wine for those who are in anguish. Let them drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. This woman, who we don't know her name, has nevertheless given advice to leaders, given the call of wisdom to those who would lead, especially God's people. If you are ever teaching a class, if you ever raised kids, if you have been a leader for anybody for any reason, these are things that you can learn from. Um, represent the needs of those who have just been hammered by life, the oppressed. We have them in our society, the single mothers, 
the drug addicts, those who have just been hammered, see to their needs. You might sum up both sides of her advice with just be compassionate, care about other people. Jesus might even phrase it something like, do to others what you would have them do to you. And then the wife of noble character, that's Proverbs 31, um, verses 10 through 31. Really, what this is saying is this woman is a practical manager. Uh, It seems like quite a few generations ago, centuries ago, men sort of adopted the mindset that women should be seen and not heard. Kind of like kids, kind of like objects on the shelf. And women kind of were bestowed the wealth, the, the value of a possession. That was never God's intention. I mean, look at what he did at the beginning of Proverbs and at the end of Proverbs. He bookended this with women giving you the opportunity to choose the right. He represented his own wisdom with a woman, saying, the choice is yours, but let's be clear about what that choice is. You need to know what lies at the end of the path that the folly is calling you toward. You need to recognize this woman who can manage her household well. You need to listen to the voice of God, the wisdom of God. This is the very crown of this book of wisdom. In fact, um, I can't remember, Proverbs 14, 6 or so. I'm sorry. I wrote it down in my notes, but it didn't make it to this version of my notes. So um, it's basically, uh, it, it calls woman the crown of man. Woman is not some lesser, also-ran oops that God created. Woman is the other half of man that together make the image of God. We are made in the image of God. Man's part of that image. Woman is the other part of that image. And together, we are the image of God. You say, what about Jesus? He was man. Wasn't he the, yes, but who's the bride of Jesus? We are, that's us. Okay, we're the the other part of that image of God that Jesus represented. So as we go forth, uh, keep in mind as you're reading Proverbs, you've got two calls, wisdom and folly. Which one are you going to listen to? Thanks.